a bull keys, tackle box in my hand Gonna cast a few lines with my toes in the sand Pulling in a big catch makes me feel like a man But the wife, she just don't understand I love walleye, perch, trout, and bass And if you don't like fishing, you can kiss my four-stroke right in the back Cause the fishes all tremble at the thought of me When I'm fishing for Bunyan Country Coming up today, we'll check in with Mandy Urich in the Brainerd Lakes fishing scene, and Steve Sipaniak is trying to find muskies in the wind on Mille Lacs. Plus, another great question for the aquatic biologist. Does lure color really matter? It's all coming up. Welcome to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country, sponsored by Visit Bemidji. Hey, we're checking in with Mandy Urich down in the Brainerd Lakes area. She was hoping to be fishing today, but uh, wind got in the way, huh, Mandy? Oh, she's absolutely blowing down here. Uh, I'm hoping the wind drops off a, a little bit so I can get out and enjoy my, my day off of work and do some fishing. Uh, she's a little windy for the lake. I might just have to head to the river. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, we we got to pick it up here in Bemidji as well. Uh, I mean, we've basically had nothing moving most of the summer, and now all of a sudden, uh, when the wind decides to pick up, it really has decided to pick up. Correct. Yeah, it's it's bluebird skies. You know, high pressure system. The only good thing with this wind is there's no smoke. <laughs> that's a very good point. I hadn't thought about that, but that's yeah, that's true. Well, listen, um, you know, I, I spotted your, your post on, on social media earlier this week. Uh, you, on one of your tournaments, caught a monster bass. Uh, tell us about that. That was really impressive. Uh, yeah, it's a giant. Um, definitely not my personal best for overall weight, but for the size of the fish and the body of water that came off of, uh, it ended up being just a smidge over 22 and a half inches long. So normally uh, that fish would weigh six and a half to seven pounds based on the total length. Uh, giant head, long body, fairly skinny, though, and it's still coming in at 5.8 pounds. But fishing a, a singles event, you know, where you don't have an additional person to help net the fish, uh, it was a struggle, and it was the first fish of the day for me. So I, I was really on a high point thinking that, you know, I was on the right pattern and things were, were going to be excellent after that. But uh yeah, what a tank. And it came actually off of a dock. Oh. Um, a dock that I wouldn't normally fish. And I don't really like dock fishing this time of year because normally the majority of the fish have moved out deeper based on those water temps. It's just, I mean, it's 80 plus degrees uh, in the shallows and it's sitting at 78, 79 degrees on you know, big bodies of water on main lake. But yeah, what a, what an experience. Skipped under a dock and uh, caught a 12-incher, and it came flying at me at the boat. And I'm like, well, normally when fish come out of the dock at the boat, it means there's another one under there. So I, I flipped back in, and I got a big bite, and I set the hook. And I was like, what the heck? And I come back, and it had straightened my hook. And I was like, oh, boy. So I cut off, retied quick, and I was throwing a, a weightless ankle and skipped back underneath there with no hopes of it biting again. And it did, I just saw the line stop falling. And I, so I reeled down and I set the hook as hard as I could and it didn't move. And I was like, oh gosh, darn it. I'm, I'm, I'm tangled on the bottom of the dock or something. And then all of a sudden the drag started squealing and I was like, oh my goodness, this is a monster. And I got it off from underneath the dock and it jumped and my knees started shaking, my heart beating out of my chest. I'm like, this thing's an absolute monster. And I, I got it into the boat and 
it's laying on the bottom of the floor, and I, my hands were shaking so bad I could hardly get it unhooked to get it into the live well, and it didn't weigh it. Like I, I just kept looking in the live well, and I'm looking at the length and the size of the head, and I'm like, I don't, I have no idea how much this weighs, and I'm like, I'm not even going to put it on my scale because, gosh forbid, Murphy's Law applies to me all the time. My law could get off and like go over the size of the boat or something, so <laughs> I didn't actually get the weight. Uh, until the end of the day when we went for, for weigh-in, and I obviously weighed that in for, for Big Bass, and it came out at 5'8", but she's a beauty. I, I'd love to would love to catch her a month or two when they put the feed bag on because she's really going to be a tank. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow, that's so, so much fun. Um, bass fishing in general is so much fun. When you land something like that, that is, that is something. I've never landed anything quite that big, but uh, I've had a few decent-sized ones on, and it's just – that's why you get into bass fishing. It's just – invigorating correct yeah I, I don't even know what to think steve quinn was was fishing that derby against me and he spent many many years on that body of water and he said that in 20 years that's the second largest large mouth that he's ever seen come out of that body of water wow. so yeah that's a big body of water there's a lot of bass in there correct yeah <laughs> what, what, what a huge the whitefish chain is just is you know it's so expansive uh, with so many different lakes and arms and, and, and things. So, yeah, I, I'm surprised we, we we don't see as many big largies coming out of there. There's some giant tank smallmouth. So I've, I've caught multiple five-pound smallies out of that body of water. But for some reason, uh, those largies, just big ones, just don't seem to be, you know, they're, they're few and far between. So uh, I talked to Travis Peterson earlier this year. He was doing one of those solo events. Uh, have you done many of those? Yeah, so I used to do a, a way more than what I do now. I do a lot of team events, um, and I've kind of been out of the the, the singles derbies for you know a, a couple of years, just with COVID coming in, and um, obviously this year me getting my boat late uh, changed what I was able to sign up for and fish because they obviously start sooner in the year. But um, I really love them as much as I love team events. Um, You've got nobody else to blame but yourself in a singles event for making 100% of those choices, and I kind of like to be in charge as it is. So uh, it, it's nice to get back into that, that swing uh, and, and doing more of these. So I've got two events left in the single series. Um, yeah, i, I got to step it up. I'm sitting fifth right now, so hopefully I can I can make a move in, in the last couple of these events and uh, move up and sitting really good in my team event i'm sitting we're sitting second right now and we've got there again we've got two events left in in the season before the championship so yeah Uh, derby season's winding down and then i've got a few i've got probably five or six uh non-series derbies left in the year a few of those being walleye tournaments but she's almost done and then we've got to switch gears and go hunting uh yeah it's getting there getting very close um you got one uh, this weekend, a multi-species event, a big fundraiser for Fishing Has No Boundaries. Correct. And if anybody is interested, they can come to the landing and sign up there. They can contact um, Mike Gwen through the Rodbenders Facebook site. So it's, it's a really neat event. Uh, it's a multi-species event. You can win big fish for, uh, for bass, for walleye, for pike, for catfish, for dogfish, um, and then overall big bag. But... Um, it's a family oriented event. It's, you know, the prizes are really amazing. It's a great body of water, but the cool part is 100% of the proceeds 
go back uh, to fund the Fishing Has No Boundaries for um, fishermen with disabilities, and that's held through Camp Confidence. So we love doing it. We love being able to, to be able to provide those funds for such a great event. And that is uh, coming up this Saturday? Correct. And what lake is that on? It's You go out of Lum Park, uh, Rice Lake, on the Mississippi River right here in Brainerd. Oh, okay. Okay. Very cool. Yeah, and... Uh, um, Fishing has no boundaries. We've got it here in Bemidji as well, and I've uh, I've been a part of it the, for a number of years. And what a, it is! It's a tremendous program, and very heartwarming program. Correct, and you know a lot of us donate, you know, guide trips to multiple organizations, but that one I know, especially for our anglers around here, really holds a, a special place in their hearts, and they look forward to it every year. I mean, this is, for a lot of those anglers, this is the only time that they get out on the water all year and to watch them light up and they don't care if they're catching sunfish or whatever. They're just happy to be on the water and having that experience. So, Absolutely. Yes. I, um, yeah, we've missed it here in Bemidji the last two years, obviously, but uh, I know uh, those guys are fired up uh, to get back to normal next year. Well, yeah, I, I hear you there and we're all on the same page. <laughs> yeah. Well, you were mentioning to me uh, before we got going here that uh, it's really, really, I mean, despite that big bass you got, it's its a tough bass bite right now. Oh, my goodness gracious. Uh, yeah, it, it, it is. Uh, water temps, like I was saying, even on these large bodies of water, have really skyrocketed back up again. Granted, that is surface temp, but, uh, you know, when you're seeing 78, 79, 80 degree surface temp on really big bodies of water, especially when it's been as windy as it is, um, and they're still holding those temps, is putting these fish in a funk. And I don't care what species it is. Everybody's getting into a funk. Um, we do say, you know, I talk about it a lot with the correlation of bass specifically with their metabolisms. Um, the higher the water temp goes, the more aggressive they get. We see that in the spring when they're real finicky. And, you know, as the water warms, they get more aggressive. But there's actually a line there. And we're crossing that line. Um for bass too that they've got to find cooler water so that means that those fish are moving out deeper even a 10 foot difference um, in water depth is, is causes that temp to go down drastically back where they're they're comfortable and we're seeing issues too um, in that shallower water where we're getting a lot of veg die off so you're losing oxygen and we're seeing algae blooms so and that eats up oxygen too Mandy Urich joining us once again today. My thanks to Mandy for her insight. Coming up next, we'll check out the Mille Lacs Lake Muskies with Steve Sapaniak of Predator Guide Service. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Hi, this is Dick Beardsley with Dick Beardsley Fishing Guide Service. Are you looking to plan a fishing trip? Look no further as Bemidji, Minnesota is your year-round destination for walleyes, pike, muskie, bass, perch, crappie, panfish, and more. With over 400 fishing lakes within a 25-mile radius of Bemidji, come take a cast of becoming a fishing legend. While you're on your fishing adventure, come take a picture with the historic Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox. Discover the first city on the Mississippi, Bemidji, one step further. Welcome back to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. 
Well, we appreciate the fact that he ducked into a little quieter spot, a little less windy spot to give us some time today. Steve Sapaniak from Predator Guide Service on uh, Mille Lacs Lake as we speak. Steve, thanks for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure, Kevin. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're right. We ducked into a little cold area. The wind has got to be blowing at least 20, 25 miles an hour. We've made uh, two major moves trying to find calmer areas to fish. It's been a little difficult. I'm with a good friend, started off as a client of mine many years ago, Brian Meyer. We've been having fun. I used to call him Brian Murphy just to tease him, but uh, <laughs> his name is Brian Meyer. He's a great fisherman. He's a good guy. And between the two of us, we're trying to get something going. It's been a little uh, little challenging, to say the least, because of the last uh, week, Kevin, the water temperatures have been so warm. So it's been interesting. You know, we've dropped already about four or five degrees from five days ago. That helps out a lot. We're trying to get something going. We'll, we'll let you know what happens here if we do. But otherwise, no, it's been fun out here. It's been a good time. We just need some stable weather. Yeah, we've had a, a summer where, as you noted, the, the water temps have been incredibly warm, unusually warm. And uh, basically for most of the summer, we've had very little wind. And then all of a sudden, the last couple of days, it's been kicking up like crazy. Oh, it's just unreal. I mean, these are the types of winds you expect in October, November, if you're out on the water. You know, uh, powerful, powerful wind surges, you know, gusts up to 20, 25 miles an hour. I can handle that, but when it's a constant, steady wind of 20, 25 miles an hour, that makes it a little tough and challenging fishing. But, yeah, it's like you said, it's been different this year. It's been a completely different year. Monday, we started off uh, early morning fishing for Northern Pike. Water temperatures within five hours went up just about five degrees. That shows you how quickly it warms up. It's uh, challenging to say the least. Well, we, it looks like we're you know going to have a few days of cooler temps. That's helpful. But uh, what we need more than anything, Steve, is we need rain. We just need rain. We do. We do. Everybody's hurting for rain. It's incredible that anything is growing. I feel really terrible for all the farmers. It's, it's bad enough they got different, you know, things they have to put up with, you know. But this, how many years in a row, bad weather, bad, and hardly any rain. It's just, you know, it's bringing everybody down. You're right. We need rain in the worst way. Well, um, musky-wise, what are we seeing out there the last week, week and a half? It's been tough last week and a half. It's been real tough, uh, I have one of my gentlemen, he, um, he tied into a nice one. It was pretty good size, and uh, he was cranking up the line as fast as he could to set the hook, and there was nothing there, so, you know. And I asked him, I said, was that a fish? He goes, I don't think so. You know, I said, well, it had the lure, and it was charging the boat. I'm pretty sure it was. But otherwise, we're even having a tough time seeing them, Kevin. You know, this warmer water temperature has got them laying down really low, and they're moved off into the deeper water. With uh, this colder weather coming here the next few days, I think you're going to start seeing the muskies and the big pike moving into the shallows again, into the weed beds to feed on forage they haven't had for a while because of the uh, warm weather. So uh, it's going to be a win-win situation. We just need to get there. What, what about uh, the fact that, you know, with the drought and lack of rain, that water levels are down lower? Does that mean the fish, when they go to deep water, are going to spots that they probably haven't been in for years? Very, very good point. Yeah, it's going to happen. They're going to be going into deeper spots, spots that don't have weeds, but maybe some holes where the thermocline is going to be, oh, at least four, five, six, eight degrees cooler. That's the beauty of a thermocline. And right now, looking at that kind of cooler water temperatures, that's what's going to happen. Uh, you mentioned, you know, the, 
lack of water, therefore, you know, shallower water. This was our third stop. We stopped off at two public landings and finally went and paid a uh, resort, you know, launch fees to go and have at least a decent uh, decent launch, deep water, and didn't have to worry about the wind banging us against the rocks. So it's causing all kinds of havoc, all kinds of chaos. On the other hand, too, having shallower water, Kevin, besides making the fish go deeper into places they've never been before, also causes new structure for other fish. So you're going to see a lot of panfish and bass, you know, I, I'm going to different areas they haven't been in a while. So those type of people are going to have fun and profit from us, from from it. But as guys who are chasing the big toothy predators, the top-line predators, we're going to have to change our uh, attitude. We're going to have to change our techniques. And if we didn't have that cooler water coming, we might be doing a lot of jigging with minnows off the bottom. Mm, okay. Uh, what fish are biting right now? Well, smallmouth bass, believe it or not, I just got done releasing about a five-pound smallmouth bass, as you had nice. called. And, yeah, it was nice on a big rad dog, black body with an orange blade. And that's ironic because I caught my six-and-a-half-pound smallmouth on the same lure years ago. So right now they're going into bigger, bigger baits, which is good. Uh, Northern pike have been tough. Along with the muskies, it's been real tough. Uh, trying to find any kind of panfish, Kevin, has been non-existent. The smallmouth bass are barely biting decent. You know, you're going to eke out for a full-day trip, if you're lucky, anywhere from uh, three of them to a dozen of them, if you're really lucky. Largemouth bass went docile. As soon as these water temperatures decrease, you know, in the intensity, we're going to see more action. Okay. Well, Steve, um, you know, when, when we get into autumn, that's usually when we really find the big muskies, and, and we have uh, some really, really good times going after muskies. Um, but, again... We don't really know this year, do we? No, we don't. The way things are going, normally this time of year, Kevin, because the water temperatures, you know, aren't as hot. Normally this time of year, August, it is really good fishing for muskies. So I'm hoping September, you know, end of August starts to cool down. Maybe even next week things cool down. But like you said, we're not going to know until it happens, the way things have been changing day to day and hour to hour. Yeah, I mean, we've had, you know, stretches of time for a few days where you think, okay, we're getting into, you know, reasonable temps here. And then it just shoots back up into the 90s for three or four days in a row. And uh, I don't know. We've got to be getting to a time uh, of year where that, that's probably not going to happen anymore. But, uh, again, like you said, who knows this year? Oh, exactly. It's, it's a toss-up. You know, like you mentioned, 80 de- you know, 70 degrees and 90 degrees the next day. It stresses not only human beings out. Their body can't keep taking this, that, that kind of up-and-down heat. It also stresses the fish. And that's why right now we're having a hard time tying into the big ones. You know, so just keep our fingers crossed and pray for the best. Yeah, well, um, we've talked mainly muskies. What about pike? Are we seeing any pike action right now? No, nothing hmm. for pike action the last few days. That's what's been, you know, I've been trying to concentrate on is muskies and pike. Usually the pike have been giving us a nice show and everything. But the last uh, week, a good week, yeah, it's been non-existent. It's just been from the water temperatures again. I'm on my deep pike spots right now, anywhere from 8 to 14 feet of water, 15 feet with heavy, heavy cabbage, and not even a little snake happening. That's because of all this darn water temperature being so hot. You know, so like you said, cooler evenings are going to start happening hoping the water temperature goes down and I can give you a better report on the pike next week. <laughs> well, that's, uh, you know, that is uh, the curse of fishing. Uh, you have day, weeks and days like this, uh, but the joys of fishing, uh, when you have the days and weeks when, when you know, the, the reels just keep ending or the rods just keep ending. Exactly right. Exactly right. You know, the heavens for fishing could open up with the very next cast, folks. You can't catch a fish from sitting on the couch 
And even if a tough day of fishing is better than nothing, you might eke out the trophy of a lifetime. Well, as always, Steve, as we wrap it up, if we want to book a trip with you and get something going, how, uh, how can we go about doing that? Check out my website, folks. It's all one word, predatorguideservice.com. Uh, give me a call. My home phone number is there. Or give my cell phone a call, 320-333-2941. I live on Malax Lake the whole season, spring, summer, and fall. Then I take off for deer hunting. I'm the first musky guy on Malax. I know this lake pretty good. If you're interested, give us a call and see what we can do. Steve Sabaniak from Predator Guide Service. As always, thanks for your time today. My pleasure, Kevin. Thank you. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Ask the aquatic biologist. Time to ask the aquatic biologist, Dr. Andrew Hafes, another difficult question. Dr. Andy from Bemidji State University. Um, Andy, thinking about how fish see and how fish sense things, do lure colors actually matter or is that just a big marketing scam? No, I think they do, really. Okay. Uh, they're not colorblind. Right? They, there are many fish that have breeding colors and breeding patterns, and fish can clearly see color. So that was one line of evidence for me that lure color probably matters at least a little bit. Um, the other thing that I can remember back from when I was a kid, I, w- I asked this question to somebody in a bait shop one time, and they said, well, what, what color should I pick here? I'm going fishing for trout or whatever, you know. And he said, well, which one do you like? And I said, well, that one looks good, and that one looks good. And he said, well, then those are the best colors. <laughs> and I said, why is that? He said, well, if you have confidence in the lure, you're going to fish it longer and fish it better. And so I think it does matter in that aspect in terms of marketing and things like that that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. If it's appealing to the angler, they probably are actually going to fish with it a little bit better and catch more fish. Okay. So there is that. And then the third really big thing is that I did find a published manuscript uh, that indicated that color mattered. And so there is some scientific actual evidence uh, pointing to this. It was based upon citizen science data that was collected through a phone app. Really cool study. I think it was from 2020. And it was related to walleye. And, you know, I had heard growing up, too, that when you're in light waters, you should use what light lures. And when you're in dark waters, you should use darker lures. And this study really backed that up. And it was that walleye catch rates from these anglers were higher in clear waters with lighter white colored lures and then when they got into situations where the water was stained as a result of sediment then it was the yellow lures that performed best and when they were in waters that were stained because of um, algae then it was black lures so darker waters tended to be fished better with darker colors okay so a little bit of scientific evidence there. Okay, and and I've heard different things. I've heard that uh, walleye see orange well, but not red well, and and those are all factors. I don't know. Uh, do you know? Do you know anything about that? Well, the only thing I could think of, you know, is most waters when you see a lake that's blue, right? Blue is the last color to be absorbed in that situation, and so I would have always thought that blues would have been good because the the fish can see those to a deeper depth, whereas the reds and things like that are gone. And then when you get into your Canadian Shield lakes that are darker and there's lots of organic matter in it, stuff like that, uh, then those are more like browns and reds. And and so you might want to be focusing on an orange or red color in that situation. And that's just based upon light levels. Uh, Mm -hmm. But uh, the, the scientific data that came out was actually related to yellows when there's sediment, you know, like I said, blacks when there's algae, and when it's clear water, then focus on the whites. There could be some bias in that, though. It was 
based upon angular data and not sure. Was well, this was strictly on color? I mean, is there any has there been any studies that, that you're aware of anyway, uh, like shape of a lure and size of a lure, things like that? I haven't uh, come across that. I'm not aware. I mean, I'm sure there is out there. Sure. I uh, just not off the top of my head. Uh, when I'm out there, I'm trying to use I, a lure that I think looks nice and looks like their bait. Which right. Is generally, what I do. I really like perch-colored lures. Well, that's yeah. I mean, I guess that that would make perfect sense in in an area lake where there are walleye. They like to eat little perch, yep. and so that's what you want the bait to look like. Yeah, for sure. But again, I've, I've said many times on the show that I'm the the hunter of the professors. And <laughs> Dr. Hiller is the angler, so it'd be interesting to see what he has to say or some of the local guides, too. Okay, so so how did you get into aquatic biology, and how did he get into wildlife biology? <laughs> it's interesting. Sometimes when you work so much on, you know, like, I grew up fishing, and then when I got into my job and used electricity to catch fish and saw some of these other techniques, it, you know, kids play a role, too. I'm, I can hunt out my back door. And, well, that, that's yeah, a factor. Fishing is, takes a lot more effort for me to go fishing than it does to go sit in a bow stand. Okay. Well, we'll have to bring Hiller in here and see what he has to say. Yeah, excellent fisherman. So. Okay. Hey, Andy, thanks for your time today. <laughs> All right. Thank you. That's it for today. Thank you for joining us. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to the podcast at Podcast One or on the Pod MN app so you can listen at your leisure and often get some bonus coverage. I'm Kev Jackson, Mountain Mike Caruso Talks Alaska on our next show. M-F-I-S-H-I-I-N-P-O-P-O-N-I-N